0: So in the New Testament, whenever the Christians start telling the gospel story, they begin by, um, summarizing what was before. They start, you know, God created the world and, and then God called Abraham and God, um, helped, you know, Abraham's family then become this special people. And then when they were taken into captivity in in uh, Egypt, God made a covenant with them as God delivered them in out of slavery into their own land, and then uh, God brought leaders and a country and provided kings and, um, and prophets and all of this story, and, and we had these successes and we had these failures, and the prophets said, if we continue to do these things, then there will be consequences and we didn't pay attention and there were consequences and we went into exile and then we came out and, and God did all of these things to bring us to this day so that we would be ready to receive God's own self in Jesus. That's sort of what they did almost all the time. You see it over and over again. Why do you think they did that? Why do you think they did that? In the words of the, uh, great Disney philosopher Toe Mater. I don't need to know where I'm going, I just need to know where I've been. To to get where we're going, sometimes we need to start with knowing where we've come from. Because if you think about it, the people who were living in those days may not have been able to see where God was at work, like people 400 years later could see it. I am sure that the slaves in Egypt didn't say, oh, God's in the midst of this, and God is getting us free, right? How many of you in the midst of your struggles go, God, where are you? If you don't, it's okay if you do, because the psalmist did it all the time. We tell the story of what has been because we believe that God was at work then. Do you see how God was at work in that history? Do you see how God was at work getting the people free through the life of Moses? When Moses turned the waters into blood, when Moses said, let my people go, and the, the pharaohs said to the, the slave masters, go and tell them they need to make the same amount of bricks, but we're not giving them anything to do it with. Do you think the people said, oh, this is God's way of setting us free? Do you think that's what happened? No. They did not see God at work in the moment because of the struggle. The reason we look at where we've been and see where God was is because if we believe God was at work in those times, then we can believe that God is at work, even in places we don't see right now. Would you pray this with me? Holy Spirit, reveal to me your work in hidden places. The teacher, whether it was Solomon or somebody else, said you need to trust in God with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Commit your paths to God and God will make your way straight, right? You can live in that trust today because of what God did in those unseen places. What are some unseen places you have? Today, as, as we look at at our church as a whole, actually, let's start a little closer to home. In in communion this morning, do you know how God met you in communion? I mean, do you know all the ways God met you? No. Do you trust that God met you in this moment? Yeah. Do you have to know all the ways God met you in order to trust that God met you? No. God is at work in unseen places. Why do we do communion? We we do this as a regular remembrance, a tangible reminder that God is with us, that God has called us into something more than ourselves. And we take the bread and the cup, we receive it as an act of grace, remembering that we need the grace that Jesus gave. Do you remember every single time you've had communion? Probably not. Do you remember every single sermon you've heard? One of my favorite exercises is when people come up to me like a week later and say, you know, when you said this last week, I'm like, no quizzes, please. Right? No quizzes. I don't remember what I said a week ago, a day ago, let alone a week ago. Right? I'm pretty sure people make some of it up. So, so, do we trust that God works in the unseen places, in, in yourself? How many of you have a family member or neighbor or a loved one who's going through a time right now that you're like, I am pretty sure they are so far from God that they don't even have a zip code registered with the heavenly post office? You got those people? Just because you can't see where God's at work in their life doesn't mean God's not at work in their life, right? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, right? Continue to wear love like a garland around your heart. Just because we can't see where God's at work doesn't mean God's not at work. Right now in our denomination, we are having a very fun explosion. It's not a growth explosion, it's a we're fighting with each other explosion. I got, we have our annual conference this Thursday and Friday. Nick Ficina, Jake, Pastor Bruce and I will be going for this congregation, so pray for us. I got the list of clergy who are leaving our denomination who have have surrendered their orders or retired early, um, and, I, and I grieve for that. I grieve for that. Um, I grieve the churches that have left. I understand many of them feel like they had to, but just like God loves, just like we as parents love hearing our children giggle, God loves it when we get along. And I grieve that we haven't figured out how to do that. So today I want to take you through a quick history of our church, and I want to ask you if you can see where God was at work. When John Wesley began the Methodist movement, he was an Anglican priest who stopped getting invited to speak at Anglican churches because he went out and preached in the fields. To the coal miners and the farm workers and the riffraff. Do you see where God was at work in that? Do you think it felt good to get kicked out of churches? Probably not. And when the American Revolution began and the Church of England recalled all the priests, the Methodist movement grew because John Wesley went ahead and ordained Asbury and Coke and sent them over to Be bishops here in the States so that they could ordain people and didn't have to rely on the Church of England hierarchy and they were called outlaws for it do you think that was fun no do you see God at work in it yeah and the Methodist movement grew and grew and and in the 1844 general conference things came to a head because there was a group of abolitionists who said slavery is immoral and unholy it is an affront to god and any pastor or bishop who owns slaves shall be removed and guess what there were some pastors and bishops who owned slaves how do you think they took that they said no and the united Method, or the methodist church at that point Broke into the Methodist Episcopal, the Mes- Methodist Episcopal South, and the colored Methodist, because we couldn't play well together. You think God was at work in there? I'm not sure how, but I believe God did some good stuff through that. I believe saying that we cannot do the same thing and and we can't... We can't do that, which is considered unholy, and and get to where a holy place is. So 1844, skip to 1939, almost 100 years later. 1939, I was in a a call two weeks ago, and and the presenter uh, asked, anybody know what happened in 1939? And it was a group of half-clergy and half-laity and nobody knew. I was driving at the time, so I could not answer. So I got to a stoplight, I hit unmute on my phone, and I said, 1939, the Methodist Episcopal, the Methodist Episcopal South, the Methodist Protestant, all joined together and formed the Methodist Church. And when they did that, part of the deal was from the Methodist Episcopal South, we don't want those colored folks in our conference. And so they formed what's called the central jurisdiction. All the African-American churches in America were in one conference, that, in one jurisdiction that spanned the country. And Bishop Woody White, who served here, remembers hearing in 1968 when uh, the church merged, and I'll get to that in a moment, But people said, that's the last black bishop you're going to see, because they had their own bishops, right? Was God at work in that reunification? It, It was fun hearing stories from people who were part of that central jurisdiction, all the black churches together, and they said, you know, when we when when that was taken away, we felt like we lost something, but at the same time, we recognized that apartheid is not of God. Apartheid is not of God. That's what they called the church situation of separating blacks and whites. Do you know that the most segregated hour in America is still the one we're in right now? Was God at work in that time? Yeah, God was at work in that time. Were any of you a part of the church from 1939 to 1968? Some of y'all were. Did you experience God at work in that time? Right. So in 1968, the Evangelical United Brethren and the Methodist Church merged together. One of my mentors, I found out after he died, was part of that. And um when when we came together, the EUB, the Evangelical United Brethren um church, one of their conditions was there would be no segregation. Mm. And so the central jurisdiction was abolished and everybody was reunited. Does God to work in that? Yeah. He's got to work at that. There were people who were upset. Like I said, Bishop White, Woody White, heard somebody say, a delegate say, well, that's the last black bishop we're ever going to elect. And in 1972, at the the next general conference of the now United Methodist Church, of the slate of bishops that came from the jurisdictions, there was a new black bishop who'd been elected. Wasn't the last black bishop elected. Obviously, it wasn't because Woody White became a bishop. And our current bishop is black. And we have churches all over the globe. Is God at work in that? So, this church was started as a Methodist church, correct? Correct. In the 50s, correct? So, this church was started before the EUB Methodist merger. Two churches ago, I served a church that, three churches ago, had been EUB, and they felt like it was a takeover from the Methodists. That was their reference to the 1968 merger. It was the, it wasn't the merger, it was the takeover. And, and I, I asked them, so, so how did the system work before? And, and they talked about they had bishops and they had pastors appointed and, and they, and they talked about the good old days before the merger. And that church had had uh, damage from a, a tornado. And I said, so, so in their old way of doing things, who would have come and helped you? Well, we were good German people. We just pulled up our bootstraps and we helped ourselves. I said, oh, when, when your church got hit and you had about $75,000 of damage, who, who came and helped you? I already knew the answer to this. Well, well, the conference came out and they provided architect, they provided, I was like, oh, oh. Do you see God at work in that? That nasty takeover? How do we see God at work in all of our life? There are places where we're angry or we're hurt that it's hard to see God at work. Is it? Hmm? It's, hard to trust God. it's hard to trust God in those times, isn't it? It's hard to trust God. But God is always at work, even when we cannot see. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, reveal to me your work in hidden places. Go ahead and just leave that up. We believe God was at work in all those places in the history of Israel and Judah and in the history of our church. Right now, we're going through our, our church fight over whether LGBTQ people will be included and, and other, other things like that. Um, it's hard. It's hard. And people are being hurt on, on both sides of this conversation. But I believe God is still at work doing some amazing things in us and inviting us To a better place. As we move forward, loving and welcoming people, we're, we're gonna have to trust that God is, is with us, aren't we? We don't know who's right and who's wrong at the end of all things. till so we get to heaven and God says, this is what I really meant. Because according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, right now we see very dimly how many of you feel dim on a daily basis. And we won't know whether we were right or wrong about issues. But that's okay because God doesn't call us to that. God calls us to bind love around our neck and his law on our heart. That's what God calls us to. And to trust that God will do with our best offering that we can bring what God will do. Holy Spirit, reveal to me your work in hidden places. So whether it's your life or our church together, where are the places that you need to see what God is doing? Sometimes we don't see because of pain and hurt. Sometimes because life is moving so fast, we don't we don't catch on. Sometimes it's because we don't pay attention, right? I didn't notice the heart on the bread until after I started to break it. Sometimes we miss God's heart in our life because we're broken. My hope and prayer for you this week is that you'll take some time to see where God is at work in those hidden places, those places that you're not sure God showed up yet. And I hope and pray that you see where God's at work. Will you pray with me one more time? Holy Spirit, reveal to me your work in hidden places. Amen.